Hey, Jared. Uh, yes? What are your feelings about barbecue? Oh, my God. If I could... I don't even think I could begin to tell you all the things that I think about barbecue. So you might say that you're a uh, barbecue fan. <sighs> fan, expert, um, maybe the most knowledgeable man about barbecue in the living universe. In the living universe, you say? Yeah, I would, I would say so. Well, let's, uh, let's dig into that. Let's do it. Hey everybody, welcome to the Scorched Water Podcast, where the only thing we like more than eating food is talking about food. You've got here the original Bayou Boy, Michael. And my name's Jared. And uh, now would have been a better time to say that the only thing we like more than eating food... Just switch it around. Yeah, 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 I'll just... (laughs) We'll fix it in post. (laughs) We'll fix it in in post. Hey, Brandon, you say you're always going to fix it in post. Yeah, well, that's what I'm going to... I'm going to fix this. Uh, It's all going to be good. This will be a good podcast after I get to it. (laughs) After I edit it. Was a bad podcast will be a good podcast yeah it's gonna be a lot better you're gonna uh by the time this hits people's ear holes they're gonna be like oh that's that's good that's good we're gonna splice in a lot of a different podcast and that's yeah. why it'll be good yeah i'm gonna edit in the joe rogan experience <laughs> as much of his stuff as i can maybe you should just punch him uh yeah yeah yeah. I'll, we'll have that like hey pull up that video or what i don't know i haven't watched i don't actually really listen to I, I feel like it's probably just a lot of stuff about how trump is great maybe um, who knows um we're gonna talk about barbecue today i have actually prepared uh, a pretty extensive document uh about barbecue which is you would like you got a real lecture there you wouldn't think that a man could have this much to say about barbecue but lo and behold i have uh quite a bit little, My, little did you know at home we've got the eminent barbecueologist here yeah yeah so think about people who know stuff about barbecue fuck them they don't know as much as me and you probably Hines, did, KC, uh, yeah, Mr. Masterpiece, yep, yep, Mr. Masterpiece, and his that his, uh, that famous David guy, uh, famous David. Who else knows a lot about barbecue? That's that's it. That was everybody. Mr. Those are Stubbs. Those are the three tiers. Uh, oh yeah, Stubby. Yeah, yeah, Stubby, Stubby. I'm sorry, Stubby. Uh, John Stubby, the barbecue man. Here's the thing about barbecue. We're going to talk today about American barbecue because if I just use the term barbecue. I could be referring to a very wide array of things. So, like, on a macro level, barbecue refers to basically just the simple act of roasting meat over an open flame. That, that's a behavior that we can observe two million years ago. Uh, in fact, while I was kind of looking up uh, different regional things and, and stuff like that, I, I got I fell into, like, a rabbit hole. and I wound Went up, back in time. I went back in time. I actually went back in time myself. <laughs> two and million I, years ago. So what I did is I went back to the time of Homo erectus, uh, and first of all, when we talk about barbecue and we talk about it two million years ago, there's no way to avoid the fact that we are going to talk about mankind's common ancestors who you may think aren't real. So I just definitely want, not monkeys. I just want to take a second and just say that they're definitely real, and uh, and and they were barbecuing, and uh, it was it was happening. But by what we can tell from the fossil record. Our good friend Homo erectus was the first person or, or type of people to the original uh, pit boss to barbecue. He, he was the original. <laughs> he was the original pit master, and uh, yeah, so he he was out there uh, uh, running the grill. And actually, they they think, and it makes sense when you. So let's go back a little bit. Here's a side conversation. This isn't an original thought. You've everybody's had this thought at some point. You've probably wondered like 
milk, right? That's not oh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> you're just sitting in your house, you're like milk. It's like you read my mind, Jared. Well, but no, the old the old joke is like, who looked at like a cow's udders and was like, you know what? Let's let's pull the liquid out of there and drink that. Give me some of that. If you're just looking at a cow and you're thinking like, well, I'm going to drink whatever comes out of there, that means somebody drank a bunch of other stuff that they probably shouldn't have shouldn't have drank. Or, or maybe for a while we were drinking it and we liked it. Actually, that's there, I have a separate story about that for another day. But the point is, is they believe that, that barbecue is probably something that happened accidentally. So, like, there was a, a lightning strike, a forest fire, an animal caught on fire, and man literally, like, wandered by and shoved it in his mouth. That's, that's genuinely, like, how they think something like that probably happened. They don't, they don't know. There's no way to prove it one way or the other. But it seems most likely that the act of eating cooked meat probably just happened accidentally, without anybody planning it, without anybody thinking about it. Uh, it was probably just something where someone literally like scooped up an animal that was charred to death and was like, eh, this, is, this is pretty good. This is it's way not, better. This is actually not too bad. Uh, and actually, building on that, I thought this was interesting. You may not. If you, look at a, if you look at the skull of Homo erectus, you'll notice that he has very large jaws and he has a very small brain. And this is going to sound like I'm denigrating someone, but that... Uh, that shape of his head is actually due to doing a raw diet. When you when you go on a raw diet, <laughs> I know, I know. When you when you go on a raw diet, you need powerful jaws to break down the food that you're eating. Not to mention talk about it and uh, and to tell everyone. <laughs> yeah, you need powerful jaws to let everyone know about the raw diet you're doing. But but on top of that, um, they 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 say that twenty percent of your caloric intake powers the brain. So before we were eating cooked food, we literally were not ingesting as many calories. And so there was not a lot left over for the brain. And so as cooked food enters man's common diet, you find that a couple things happen. As we evolved, our jaws shrink and become closer to what we think of today. Uh, You can actually see in the fossil record, our teeth get smaller. So uh, your, your teeth shrink. Uh, and then on top of it, our brains get bigger. So if you look at the, the fossil record, we go from having these huge just jaws uh, to, to shrinking down to what they look like today. And we have these tiny, itty-bitty, walnut-sized brains that get bigger and bigger and bigger. So in a sense, I think this is really interesting, in a sense, barbecue gave us big old brains. Now get ready for the story of how that all got switched around. <laughs> so uh, first of all, that... I'm going. I'm going back, obviously, millions of years here. I'm talking about just the concept of of cooking f- food over an open fire. That is not a unique thing in American cooking. We have taken barbecue food and we have made it unique in its own way with a lot of other things, and that's largely what we're going to focus on today. So worldwide. There's so many other types of barbecue. There's asado in South America. There's uh, satays in uh, in like the Thai area. Uh, there is uh, like the the delicious kebab in in Mediterranean food. Ooh, uh, so good. There is a wide a, a wide worldwide uh, trend of people roasting food over a fire. But we are uh, focusing, like I said, on American barbecue, which. Interestingly enough, I think when we talk about the differences in American barbecue, most of the time you're talking more about sauces in a lot of cases than you are meat. So I think that's fair, yeah. It's debatable on some level, but I think to me personally, uh, American barbecue is as much about sauce as it is about meat. 
And that's, I'll explain why that's probably pretty debatable as we go here. Really quick, just because I don't want to hog the, the mic here, on a, on a personal level. Ooh, speaking of hog. What's like your, what's like your barbecue experience, Michael? As a personal home barbecuer, you know, we're condo people, so we don't have a whole lot of room or, uh, you know, freedom to barbecue. That said, growing up, it was never really something like we were, you know, barbecue always meant like hamburgers and hot dogs when I was growing up. It didn't mm-hmm. mean smoked meats or slow cooked meats or anything like that. But something I've grown to appreciate as I've gotten older, you know, something that's done really well. Also, uh, how bad bad barbecue can be like it's pretty disgusting when it's not done right so and we were talking about this earlier i i really mean this i think the worst meal that i ever had in my life i think that i think it was the worst meal i've ever had in my life i had it with you and it was uh it was barbecue i don't know if it's worth calling the place out we probably shouldn't let's just say it was right here in utah it was was in our home state and i've never had and and like uh, just like it was disappointing because it wasn't good barbecue but beyond that, on just like a macro, like like food as a as a as a, a source of sustenance and energy, I I don't even really know that I would have gotten that from it. Like it was it was literally the worst food anybody has served me. Like a lean cuisine or a Stouffer's would have been a short short of them uh, short of them bringing out like a plate that was just rotten. Like they they may as well have just done that. Like if you've ever sure. if you've ever been in a restaurant and they served you something where like it just wasn't cooked, like you cut into it and they're like, oh, they forgot to cook this. Uh, it, it was kind of like that. Like you see those pictures on the I internet. Mean, that would at least indicate that it's fresh. Well, that's, that, <laughs> that's actually true. It's almost more offensive because it clearly was cooked at some point. Just a long time ago. It just, a, just quite a ways before I got there. Uh, so th- that was nice of them uh, at least to, to think about that. Have cooked it in the past. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, and maybe it was really good back then. I don't know. Sure, sure. Uh, but it was a it was an unmitigated disaster. Uh, we're going to talk more about kind of the local uh, options as far as barbecue goes and where you can go to have uh, a not unmitigated disaster. Um, but I will say just right off the bat, I, I just want to set the expectation: uh, Utah is not the place to eat barbecue. It just it just isn't. Uh, there's we're not coming to this from a place of authority. Really, just. As a amateur barbecue enthusiasts, as a man, well, I am coming from authority because, as previously stated, I am the world's foremost leading authority on barbecue. Sure, sure, intellectually, like as far as book learning goes. Sure, well, and yeah, so I guess you could make a case that maybe uh, you know my taste is different. Um, maybe I think Famous Dave's is real top tier. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Well, no, I don't think that because I don't think that it doesn't matter. We'll 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 come back to it. All right. I originally in this document left out a huge stub for history. And I have had just a devil of a time really putting together a reliable history uh, of American barbecue. It's, it's a tradition that started and is so deeply ingrained in Southern cuisine, and there's, there's no way to get around it. It is largely a, a food that is indigenous to African Americans who at one point or another may or... Well, I shouldn't... <laughs> I almost set no, my, no, please keep going. <laughs> I almost set myself up for some, Look, we were really not kind to African Americans uh, when when this country uh, started out. We we were not super nice to them. Yeah, back then we were we were N- real dicks. Now we're way nice to them. We're so right. nice to them. Uh, but back then it was it was not the case. And so there's kind of a. I I really do think that uh, if you were trying to find like the first uh, barbecue restaurant. I, I think it's almost certainly owned by African Americans. Uh, I would I would hedge money on it being 
uh, someone who's probably a descendant of someone who was enslaved. There's a very strong possibility. Or possibly was a slave. Uh, maybe. Well, I, I don't think the slaves were allowed to own restaurants, but if they were emancipated... You know, we do let those people go at some point. Right, right, right. So if they were emancipated, they could have gone and opened a restaurant. I can't find it. I, I tried my hardest to find, like, the oldest uh, barbecue restaurant, and it just I, I really can't find something... Well, you know, the distinction of when does a restaurant go from being a regular restaurant to a barbecue restaurant, I'd imagine that's a, that's a pretty fine line you walk in. On top of that, it is, as you say, a food that's uh, very much uh, kind of gone hand in hand with uh, with American poverty. So the type of people who don't keep a lot of records. So the closest that I could find was a guy named uh, Henry Perry. And Henry Perry opened a restaurant in, uh, or he opened a stand, like a barbecue stand. And he mm. opened it in Kansas City. Kansas City is not where barbecue originates. So we're already, he, he's already like not the oldest one, but... He, it is a city that's renowned for barbecue. It, it is. And he ran a restaurant. When did they open? I think it says 1908, which is, as far as I can find, that's the oldest like operating restaurant that I can find. Mm. Like, like with the intention of uh, coming... Look, people have been barbecuing two million years, so... Well, and on top of that, it's maybe the type of food where you didn't traditionally go to a restaurant for it. It was more home cooking type stuff. Right, yeah, absolutely. Well, and actually, historically, if you look at it, there's a lot of documentation of, like, presidents having barbecues as, like, celebrations and Mm -hmm. things like that. They talk about the type of barbecue George Washington had. They talk about the type of barbecue Abraham Lincoln had. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously, Abraham Lincoln's role in, in freeing slaves means that he has a lot of kind of roots in 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 the foundings of barbecue but uh anyway uh perry is is as far as i can tell one of the originals uh and and more importantly we can trace him in that he had some partners who uh what were their names arthur pinkard and uh, george gates and gates wound up opening up a restaurant called gates and sons and i think they're still around so again it the Henry Perry place is not open anymore, but mm-hmm. Gates Barbecue is still there in Kansas City. And so if we're tracing back like a place where you could go and get like the, the oldest, most original barbecue that there is, that's probably pretty close hmm. uh, to, to being the one. But we'll get, we'll get back into like regional stuff as we go here. The, the point that I'm making is that it's, uh, it's got a very cloudy history, and I'm sure someone out there has probably done more research and, and done a better job, but... I think whatever details we can find there are probably beyond, like, Wikipedia and, and beyond the kind of stuff that we can find that way. The extent of the research that you, as the, uh, the foremost barbecue expert, have done. Yes. Look, if someone wants to challenge my title, I welcome them to do so. And uh, where is your PhD from again? I'm sorry. Uh, mm, uh, what, what do people on Facebook do? The School of Hard Knocks. Ah, very good. <laughs> that's very where, good. I, that's yeah. where I went. And now I've, I, I, I just recently posted my new job uh, on the streets. That's <laughs> I believe you are the CEO of something. Yeah, I'm the, well, of, B, of Street Smarts. There you go. I'm the CEO of having Street Smarts. <laughs> rather, than, rather than list out like a formal uh, history of barbecue, because like I said, I just had some difficulty, I'll try and throw in some nuggets as we go here mm. of just kind of interesting t- things from the past or, or where things originated. And a lot of that comes through when we talk about regional uh, varieties with American barbecue, but I think before we talk about the regions, let's just talk talk about like the concept of preparing the barbecue and what actually goes into to doing that. All right. So in the present day, uh, we refer to a barbecue smoker as a pit. 
So if we're talking about, you, you said earlier, like a pit boss. If we we're talking about a pit boss, he's the guy who's running the smokers. Sure. Uh, he's the one who's overseeing that process. Now, we say a pit, we're referring to a grill like 90% of the time. But in the history, uh, in, in olden days, the pit was a literal pit. Like we were talking about like digging a trench, which by the way is still something that happens if we were talking about like uh, Hawaiian uh, barbecue. I think that's not uh, uh, unrealistic for them to to like dig a pit and and smoke a pig. If we were trying to cook like ten pigs at a time, it's probably not realistic to build a grill to hold all of them. Right, right. But uh, its, maybe it is. I don't know these days. At its core, early American barbecue was more or less a trench dug in the ground and then filled with embers, and then they would stretch a a, a pig over it. Basically, mm. that was that was more or less what they were doing obviously times have changed we got you can go out back and you got the traeger grill but uh, there's plenty of other ways that you can go about doing it but when we refer to pits we're just referring to whatever apparatus you're using to uh to cook the meat and there's a whole lot of other stuff that i'm not covering here like the difference between grilling or cooking on indirect heat Mm -hmm. uh there's there's a lot of uh, process that goes into it and we won't get into that here um you shouldn't listen to this podcast with the intention being when you're done, you're like a pit master. Right. I hope the charcoals are not going out in the backyard right now and you're waiting for us to tell you what to do. Yeah, yeah. Like, I hope you haven't, like, started a fire and you're like, fuck, what do I do with this? I hope they tell me uh, because I, <laughs> I really, I got to get it done. So, mo- moving on here. Uh, so, we, we our, our key components in barbecue, we have our pit. Now, next up, we need our meat, whatever meat we want to choose. Now, barbecue, I'll talk about this more when we get to the regional stuff. Traditionally, if we talk about original American barbecue, you're usually dealing with a whole pig. But uh, over time, that's changed a lot. And so I want to spend a second just talking about the different cuts of meat. uh, Because at its core, one of the big tenets of barbecue is a willingness to spend a lot of time on it. And so you'll find that most of the staple barbecue meats that you encounter are ones that benefit from cooking at very low temperatures for extended periods of time. I think the the staple example in my mind is brisket. Beef brisket is something where it's a, a muscle that's actually on the front of the cow, on like the lower part of their chest, kind of right above where their legs start. Mm-hmm. Cows don't have a uh, collarbone like you or I. And so that muscle is basically what's responsible for holding up the cow more or less and because of that it's a very overworked muscle and it, it winds up having just a ton of connective tissue in it and and uh, collagen which when you cook it if you throw that onto a grill and you cook it really quickly on direct heat that collagen tightens up those proteins uh, kind of think of it like a like elastic bands where they where they tense up uh, and that creates a very like chewy unappetizing tough cut of meat but with collagen, the thing about it is, is if you cook it for a very long time uh, at a very low temperature, the collagen will actually melt and it creates a very soft, very tender uh, effect on the beef. A lot of people compare it to like jello almost, like you're, you're breaking it down into like kind of a jello. It's a very gelatinous, I mean, even, even when slow braised, it's still kind of rubbery, but also has a very unique... Um kind of rich, gamey, beefy flavor that's very unique for, you know, just cow meat. Right, right. And this isn't something that's just unique to brisket. Uh, Obviously, the other... So, like, if brisket was a major staple, equally so is pork shoulder. 
I think those mm-hmm. I think those two cuts more than any other cuts of uh, of meat probably exemplify like American barbecue. I'm you're Save you're kind of shaking your ribs. head. Oh uh, yeah, ribs is pretty good. Okay, all right. But I'll that give said, you that. I don't I don't know. I mean, has traditional barbecue been ribs, or has that really become more of a more of a recent thing? We can talk about that. Um, ribs have definitely always played a part uh, because, like I said, if you if you envision that American barbecue started with a whole hog, ribs are a big piece of that generally part of every hog yeah most hogs most uh most animals have ribs yeah um no jellyfish a good well you didn't have to really just bring that up now where's this phd from again <laughs> i don't know why you had to say that um <laughs> but so yeah so basically again when we're when we're preparing our barbecue we're we're cooking it at low temperatures we're melting down that collagen and we're producing just a a a rich nice tender cut of meat when we when we do that so that's the overall philosophy that we operate with on it again though if you look at things like kebabs that's a very different type of barbecue and Mm -hmm. very different type cups of meat so something that makes american barbecue what it is i think is that devotion to uh, long cooking times and uh now what i've always heard is that uh barbecue kind of sprang up from having to make do with traditional or meat cuts of meat that are traditionally not very desirable the less tender the less uh, the less edible parts that need that uh extra time and attention in order to become edible is that what you found in your research yeah so there's no way around it uh being cuisine that was largely belonging to slaves at the time they weren't uh, they weren't given the choicest cuts of meat, you know. They weren't the ones uh, enjoying the fillets or or anything along those lines. And so, yeah, you you take what's left, and this was a way to take something that wouldn't normally be palatable, and I think in a lot of ways make it even more desirable or better than than some of the uh, more expensive cuts of meat. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it is uh, it is more or less classically a cuisine that belongs to the impoverished and there is a small irony in that now like you can pay premiums for it wait in very long lines to obtain it barbecue restaurants are unique in that because it takes so long to prepare it they oftentimes run out of food so when you have a really popular barbecue joint it's totally possible to show up and be like give me one of these and like we don't have any more of those Uh, it's just not happening you go to hell yeah uh i'm gonna get out of get the hell out of my restaurant they say Next up, after our cuts of meat, the other, I think, big, unique identifier in barbecue is going to be smoke, because traditionally, we're cooking our barbecue uh, using wood, and uh, different types of wood will have different effects on what type of flavor you get. I think oak is kind of like the, the classic when, we, when you think of smoking meats. Uh, oak is a pretty traditional one. Uh, they say that maple offers a, a more reserved kind of subtle flavor uh, when you burn it. But I think also, of course, everybody right now is is very familiar with hickory, which imparts a more pungent, I don't want to say vinegary, but kind of like a, you know, a more acidic. Peppery or... Yeah, there's a, there's like a fire. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a flame. Punch. There's a little kick that comes with hickory. Now, in a home setting, up until recently with some of the modern grills that we have now, getting a, a wood-fired grill was was a lot to ask and so we did have some developments in, in that way over time and i think one of the ones that i found kind of most interesting i don't know if you know this but there is uh there's a common product that we still use today that was actually invented by henry ford the cat of nine tails henry ford uh <laughs> yes that's the one the whip <laughs> henry ford made the whip 
This was a kind of whip. Well, it was a whip to make people make the cars faster. Yeah, yeah. So after he produced the Model, uh, I think the, I think the first car was like the Model Ford. I don't think it was actually called the Model T. Model A, wasn't it? I don't know. Well, you would think. Wait, so was there a model like B, C, D, E, F, G? I know the whole alphabet. You'd have to ask Ford. I could say them all. Well, anyway, after he produced his first run of cars, Henry Ford found himself with a uh, ridiculous surplus of wood scraps and no real idea of what to do with them. And he wound up learning about a process where you take the scraps, you grind them down with coal dust, borax, and sand, and uh, apply some pressure to them, and it will create what we know as the charcoal briquette. Really? Yeah, but did you know that? Henry no. Henry Ford more or less uh, invented the commercial charcoal briquette. And in fact, he started a company, which was the uh, Ford Charcoal Briquette Company. And he ran it for just a few years. That's probably a company that you've never heard of, I'm guessing. Can't say that I have. I'll bet you know the next one, though, because Henry Ford goes and he sells his company to one of his relatives, whose last name was Kingsford. That ring a bell? Bill Kingsford. Bill Kingsford. Old Bill Kingsford. It has a lot more impact if I like show you the logo as you as you do it. But no, I know the the friendly guy with the grill. Is is there a guy on the Kingsford? Now I gotta look it up. What is, is the, there? What does the Kingsford logo look like? Isn't well, it like your dad in an apron? Either way, if you go and buy a bag of charcoal, you're gonna get a Kingsford. Yeah, yeah, bottom right hand corner. Oh, there he is. Whoa, look at him. I never noticed he was there. Yeah, that's just that's just your dad. Yeah, he's just <laughs> grilling up a storm. So, uh, yeah, Kingsford. Uh, is is uh, owned by a relative of Ford, uh, and it's an acquisition of a company that he started. So I didn't know that. Now you know the rest of the story. I had no idea. Yeah, we are kind of veering into that territory, aren't we? <laughs> we're almost done. We're almost done talking about preparation here. So again, we got our pit where we're going to roast our meat. Mm-hmm. We got our cut of meat that we're going to put in it. Right. We're going to smoke it. We know about that now. Then we could start delving into maybe like sauce if you want. And we're going to talk about sauce more when we talk about the different regions where barbecue comes uh, into play. But there is a technique that happens during cooking that I thought would be worth mentioning. And that is uh, mops. And a mop in barbecue, if you actually look at like a big pit, like a big scale barbecue operation, uh, a mop is almost literally like a mop. Like it's a, it's a big old stick with a, a bunch of fibers on it. It's a brush. It's a giant, giant brush. Very appetizing. And basically, a, a mop sauce is a very thin sauce, usually with a, a content closer to water than to like a traditional barbecue sauce like what you would think of Mm. but the idea is you apply that sauce while the meat is cooking to retain moisture and to impart whatever other flavors you want you might have vinegar in there you typically won't have sugars though because the barbecue is going to cook at a high temperature for a lot longer and sugars are going to start tending to uh burn and uh and produce you know undesired flavors Mm -hmm. so it's not a traditional sauce but if we talk about it now if you're grilling at home it's not uncommon for you to like baste sauce on whatever it is you're you're grilling uh, and cook that for a short period of time. But we're talking about a scenario where you're you know in it for a long haul, like twelve hours or something. And so this is just a way to kind of baste the the meat while you work. If you've ever seen somebody who has like a Traeger or something and they're smoking something, and they come out and spray it with like a, a spray bottle of vinegar or something like that. That's basically like the home version of, of a mop. And you're, you're keeping uh, things moist, keeping them... I'm sure there's other scientific reasons for it that I'm just not thinking of. But, but that's the purpose of the mop. 
The fire makes it good. I think you could mostly take that away from it, yeah. The thing about regional varieties of barbecue is you you really kind of have to break it down by sauce. Uh, that's the easiest way to tell the differences between the different versions. I mean, for the most part, we're still grilling the same meats, same general general cooking methods throughout Ish. the country. Yeah, I mean, the, the method, the, the core method doesn't change. The meat cuts change more significantly than you would think. And again, this is something where I hadn't really thought about it until... So I guess on a personal level, I, I asked you this already, but like your exposure to good barbecue when you were up in Montana... Were there any, like, options? I mean, I think we probably had some okay stuff, but it's just, it's not a, not much of a tradition. You know, when you say barbecue, it's hamburgers, hot dogs, maybe a chicken. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at it on a map, good barbecue regionally runs from the east coast of the United States below the Mason-Dixon line. Below the Mason-Dixon line. Uh, Virginia is, uh, and this is, this is, I'll start some fights here. Virginia itself may not even be like the place to get barbecue. It's really the Carolinas where like where barbecue originates mm-hmm. and, uh, and and where you go to get good barbecue. Um, I'm not saying that you can't get good barbecue in New York City, but I'm saying you, sh- you shouldn't. Uh, it, it's right. probably it's not the place to do it. Just like Utah is not the place to do it, unfortunately. Lord have mercy. Uh, so our uh, it basically runs from North Carolina. And then it kind of slopes down across the United States until we get down to Texas. And that's like a hard cutoff line right there. I, I, I'm not sure what the Appalachians look like on a map, but it probably follows. Uh, they, they probably are like your cutoff point. Well, no, because they run north to south. I don't know. I don't know uh, geography. If you know geography, write in uh, by letter. Yes. <laughs> tell me. Tell me about it. Uh, but let's start. Let's start in uh, North Carolina, where where it all begins, where the earliest pur- purported barbecue can be can be found. And uh, more specifically, if we're talking about barbecue sauce, I think that the Carolina barbecue sauce is probably the original barbecue sauce that you would encounter. And historically, a lot of that is about necessity. So Carolina barbecue sauce is really known be- by first of all, it's not tomato based. There's no tomato product in Carolina barbecue sauce. No uh, tomato. No tomato. Not, really? Not any tomato. Uh, Carolina barbecue sauce is a combination of vinegar, uh, typically cider vinegar, and spices. And that's about it. Uh, so cayenne, black pepper, red pepper, uh, sometimes hot sauce, uh, salt, and then maybe water. You don't say. And that's it. That's what's in. That's what's in Carolina barbecue sauce. In North Carolina, the tradition is to uh, now. Really quickly, that's eastern North Carolina. That's the coastal side of North Carolina. All right. If you travel even a little ways inland, you'll actually encounter a second style of barbecue sauce, which we'll uh, we'll get to. Different different places claim ownership to this, and there are different names that they attach to it. But the two that I find most consistently are Piedmont and Lexington, which are regions on the uh, west side of North Carolina. And that is where our tomato and our vinegar-based sauce uh, begins. But before we get into that, I want to first just mention the preferred uh, meat, the preferred cut in North Carolina barbecue uh, is pig. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's specifically whole hog usually. So most restaurants are breaking down like entire hogs and, and barbecuing them. Beef is not super common uh, in that region. I'm sure it's happening. It's, it's probably unavoidable, 
but I also think there's probably some purists who tell you that that's not what you do. Like, that's not what they do, at least. You suppose I, North Carolina being one of the oldest colonies, you suppose that just because it predates uh, traditional beef as a livestock yeah, industry? Yeah. I think I think probably, uh, and then on top of it, well, so we'll get to that when we come to Texas a little bit, and the same could be said for the sauce. The reason why that sauce doesn't have any tomato in it, and uh, more importantly, you'll notice it doesn't have any sugar in it, and it's because it comes from a time where sugar-based stuff is is still kind of rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it dates back far enough. Um, I can't remember. I I thought I had a date for it, but I guess I don't. But it, it goes back far enough where there just simply wasn't uh, an abundance of sugar to go throwing into sauces. Like when you did get the sugar, I guess you were doing something else with it. Brushing your teeth with it. God knows what they were doing back then. As was traditional. Yeah, that's, that's probably what they wanted to do. Um, so the Piedmont-Lexington uh, area is where we get our tomato or, or uh, our, our kind of tomato-y based uh, barbecue sauce that you are probably closer to thinking of. Uh, when you think of barbecue sauce, I would still say that this region, this is not like if if you're thinking of barbecue sauce, you're probably thinking of like what you if you went to McDonald's and got chicken nuggets and you asked for barbecue sauce, the Piedmont sauce now, is still not what you're going to get. I'm obviously asking for the Szechuan sauce because I'm just insufferable as a person. <laughs> right. Naturally. But the the uh, so they called it Lexington dip. That's what the sauce is called. Lexington dip. Sounds fancy. And it is it does not make any appearances until almost like, I mean, maybe even a, I don't know if it's 100 years. Actually, yeah, probably about 100 years after the, the North Carolina sauce that I was talking about earlier. Uh, in 1876, the Heinz Company invents ketchup, mm-hmm. and that is when tomato products start appearing in barbecue sauce. So we don't have barbecue sauce the way that you think of it until we have ketchup, and that happens in 1876. Interesting. So the uh, the tomato is a very much a new world fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's traditionally been treated with a lot of suspicion, especially in Europe, where it. Uh, and I'm still not entirely sure how this works. I always heard it. Uh, it's a fam or relative of the belladonna or the nightshade. Does that mean that nightshade grows a little tomato that'll kill you? I don't know. I've never thought about that. Well, my understanding is that's why nobody liked the tomato or the potato for a long time. But uh, huh, we'll have to we'll have to look that up because uh, I I would be curious about that. But yeah, you're right. It, it's kind of a uh, it's it's on the newer end of the spectrum. Very uh, much so. E- even as far as America goes. Now, one thing I'll mention about uh, Lexington dip, because again, I want to I want to hammer into some of like the regional dishes that you might get there. Uh, Lexington dip also makes an appearance in their coleslaw, which is. Uh, have you ever had red slaw before? Like uh, red cabbage? No, no. Red slaw is literally like a a standard coleslaw, like what you'd make, except they mix the uh, barbecue sauce into it, and it produces kind of a milky red. Uh, color. I'd be, Interesting. I'd be lying if I said it looked like the most appealing thing in the world, and I've never had it before. And the thing is, is, is unless you're in the western uh, side of North Carolina, I don't know that you'll probably uh, ever encounter it. Like you, you probably won't have it. Oh, that's an interesting. Uh... It's got kind of an interesting color, doesn't it? Like it's. Uh... Yeah. And I mean, you could, you could get some coleslaw and stir some barbecue sauce into it. Like you don't need to travel to get this. Right. Um, but it is something that, that seems to be very unique to that area. In fact, you can see when I type Red Slaw into Google here, it's popping up with Lexington right here. So Yeah, I don't know that uh, coleslaw and barbecue sauce immediately strikes me as the most uh, appetizing of combinations. I mean, if you look at the recipes, it's a slightly differently prepared coleslaw. It, it probably sure. works. 
something else I'll mention here is when you're looking at uh, common varieties, one of the things that you'll find in the Carolinas in particular, uh, and more so in South Carolina, uh, you'll see a lot of... So uh, American barbecue is an amalgamation of lots of different cultures, uh, flavors. So like the, the peppers, a lot of the spicy peppers that we get in it, those come from African cuisine or Mm. they come from Caribbean, uh, cuisine. But one ingredient that you'll see that appears particularly frequently in South Carolina is mustard. And Mm. mustard has an origin that that can largely be traced back to Germany. Um, so there were German immigrants in the Carolinas, notably in South Carolina, and they would treat their their meat with mustard before they would uh, before they would smoke it or, or cook it. Um, so when you see that, anytime you see mustard uh, mustard sauces or things like that, you can generally assume that there's a German influence uh, with it. So South Carolina. First of all, I should clarify. If you go south into South Carolina, and then you also go a little west, because if you stay on the East Coast, Carolina barbecue really doesn't change. South and north pretty much do the same thing. Mm -hmm. But on the west side, below Lexington and Piedmont, uh, you'll start encountering uh, a sauce that has a a mustard base instead of of a tomato base. They usually call it Carolina Gold. I don't know if that's something you've ever had the pleasure of uh, trying before. I'd say it's probably one of my favorite barbecue sauces. Are you for real? Yeah. I've never even had Carolina Gold. Oh, it's awfully nice. Though. I know that I'm the foremost speaker on barbecue. Yeah, a lot of holes are uh, coming through on this story. I don't even know what it looks like. I mean, I would assume it's sauce. Uh, I would assume it's kind of a yellowy uh sauce. Yeah, okay. That lo- oh, that looks nice. Mm. That looks pretty good. Well, all right. So there's one to try. Uh is is Carolina Gold barbecue sauce. You can order a jar of it online and it's probably pretty good. But the one thing that the Carolinas do have in common that never changes no matter where you go in the Carolinas is pork is the preferred meat. Uh, that that never, never gets any different. Boy, howdy. Stays the same no matter what. Now, as we start going inland, first of all, further south, there's barbecue, but it's not, it's, it's not worth mentioning. <laughs> so once you get into Georgia, once you get into Florida, it's not that barbecue's not there. It's just that... It's uh, it's it's not uh, it's not a for, staple like it is there. From my own limited experience, while they do enjoy barbecue, it does not seem to have the the history or the the same. I don't want to necessarily say passion, but like it's not a it's not the art form handed down from generation to generation like you think of when you think of South Carolina barbecue or Texas barbecue. I can chalk it up to just going to the wrong places for sure, but I have spent a lot of time in Georgia and I've tried very frequently because when I'm in the South, my instinct is just like, I should get barbecue. I've never really Uh, had like... far South, you want soul food. I've never really had like home run barbecue food there. I've had really, yeah, I've had some very good soul food. Uh, uh, And and some people would classify barbecue. uh, That's the thing is if you go to a soul food restaurant in a lot of places, you will get barbecue. They'll have barbecue ribs barbecue chicken whatnot right yeah so that definitely can can come into play there man i'm hungry (sighs) i know right oh boy and i'll mention we were gonna try and eat barbecue uh before we recorded this because we thought boy wouldn't that put us in like a barbecuey mood and um there are no and i I don't think this is an exaggeration there are pretty much no barbecue restaurants open nowhere that we want to eat in salt lake city on a sunday i think there was like one maybe tops and it's not going to be the one i'm going to list when we when we talk about good barbecue here so (laughs) 
So moving over west, we get to St. Louis. By name, St. Louis is probably better known for the uh, the way that they cut their ribs. Not necessarily for like a, a variation of sauce or anything like that, mm-hmm. but you've probably heard before about St. Louis style spare ribs. And if you haven't, the basic idea is we remove the ribs from the animal, um, but they cut them so that uh, the the cartilage and the rib tips are removed and they form like a perfect kind of square a perfect rectangle so normally a rack of ribs is big on one side and then thin on the other side but st louis style ribs we're literally removing a large portion of them to maintain a uniform shape while i was looking this up i don't know that i really saw anybody saying why i don't know if you have any insight into i'm i guess it could cook more evenly maybe does it just look better do you think and there's uh, like just seems to be a regional preference so I spent some time living in southern Illinois, which is just a, a good two hours from St. Louis. So I ate my fair share of St. Louis-style barbecue. And um, you know, I'll preface this by saying, like, if you're in southern Illinois, there's not a whole lot of places to eat. But I gotta say, this is, like, probably my least favorite barbecue that I've ever had. Really? It's just never found any charm to it. So if you at home are in St. Louis being like, man, fuck this guy. <laughs> Tell me where to go, because I will definitely try anything. But, uh, like, if you tell me to go to, to Grumpy's or, uh, what was the other place? Like, 8th Street Ribs. Like, no, no. Not go there. Okay, so that's the other thing. I'll say this. I'm pretty down on, like, most Utah barbecue. Most. I think that we have some, some bright spots. Sure. But I am totally willing to change my mind uh, in, the, in the blink of an eye. So you, you just tell me where to go. Tell me, tell me where to go, what to do. Uh, invite me over to your house. Maybe you're barbecuing. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you're barbecuing, let us know. We'll, yeah, what the fuck? We will definitely give you a shout out on this podcast to our many, many listeners. You're, you're barbecuing and you didn't even invite me? That's so rude. I did find one other kind of interesting tidbit. Uh, and this is one of those things where like, there's no quantifiable, there's no census for this. But supposedly, they say uh, St. Louis uh, as a city is uh, said to consume more barbecue sauce per capita than any other city in the nation. I don't, I don't know uh, how much truth there is to that. Like I said, I haven't ever actually... I don't think I've had barbecue in St. Louis. I don't know if I've been to St. Louis. I feel like I'd remember it if I had. I don't think I've been there. That's the Arch, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I haven't been there. That's those guys. Yeah, I, I haven't been there. Now, I'll tell you where I have been. The other side of the state, uh, which is Kansas City. Yeehaw. Yep, I have been to Kansas City. Um, Kansas City is notable because it is basically... So on the west side of the U.S., like Texas, we have a very specific style of barbecue so- or, or, of barbecue in general. On the east side of the U.S., we have a very specific style of barbecue. They come together in Kansas City. That's where they meet one another. Uh, and so in some ways, Kansas City is where you can get arguably the best of both worlds. You can get a tasty brisket, but you can also get a beautiful pork shoulder. Like you can have uh, both of those styles uh, together in one. Kansas City is also uh, pretty much where what you probably think of when you think of barbecue sauce, Kansas City is where it hails from because their regional variety of sauce is notable because it's tomato-based, but it features a sweetening agent. I think the traditional uh, variation would be molasses, uh, but honey is very common as well. And so that produces like that really thick kind of sugary style of barbecue that, that, like I said, if you if you went to the grocery store and you bought a bottle of barbecue sauce, you're probably expecting it to have that that sweetness and that consistency that you would get from Kansas City barbecue. The uh, the KC and KC original masterpiece stands for Kansas 
something or other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've seen a gun like, uh, like, like in the wild, maybe just like twice in my life, like, like in a, in a way where someone was like threatening me with the gun. And uh, one of those times was in Kansas City, and um, I'd probably still go back. <laughs> I'd probably still go back for that barbecue. There's maybe just a couple places where I wouldn't hang out. <laughs> no, wait, wait, hold on. Actually, so where did you go for barbecue in Kansas City? Uh, so actually, funny enough, the only so we were working uh, there, and uh, the company we were working for brought in barbecue. Okay, I have no idea where it was from. Uh, okay, it was really good. So I've, I've heard there are a couple places which are essentially the the heart of Kansas City barbecue. Mm-hmm. I can't remember any of their names. I was hoping you would say something and spark a memory, but uh, I I wish I had one for you. Um, so this is this is good thrilling radio discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I can if I can think of it, best here, best barbecue in Kansas City. Let's find out what it is. It's uh, Joe's. Die, Joe's. die, you stupid piece of shit. It's Joe's. Everybody knows that. Or maybe Arthur Bryant's. Maybe I don't. I actually don't recognize any of these. And also, if you look at the map, most of these are well outside of Kansas City. There would probably be an interesting thing to think about about whether or not more of them are Jack on stack. the That's uh, the one. Jack Stack. Yep. Oh, okay, I've heard of that one before. And actually, I couldn't. I couldn't say where what I had was from, but it was really good. And it had even like traveled. Like they brought it in like to go containers, and like it, right. it was still so good. Uh, so would would enjoy again, and uh, would suffer through being in Kansas City uh, again for that. Threatened with a gun. Yeah, threatened with a gun. Just a little bit. It was a little threat. It wasn't a big, wasn't a big threat. A tiny threat. We're coming up on the end of my tour, my grand tour of the United States. I would be remiss if I didn't mention our good friends, Alabama. As usual, not really contributing much to society as a whole, but Alabama has a uh, delicious mayo-based uh, white barbecue sauce. Now you're nodding. Have you had it? I have, and that is a damn good barbecue sauce. Do you know where you had it? Because there's like one place that specifically like invented it, and it was it was like Big Bob's something or other. I don't think I had it at a Big Bob's. I had it in Birmingham. White barbecue sauce. Let me see if I can find where it was from. It was uh, well, maybe I can't find it. Yeah, but he was like he was like a guy, like a like a, it was attributed to a man, like big. Well, 49% of all people are men. It literally is. It's Big Bob Gibson. So Hmm. the restaurant is called Big Bob Gibson's, and they've been able to, like, prove that they're the originators uh, of that sauce. I had some misgivings when I first ordered it, but it... uh Boy, it made for one hell of a, ro- or a barbecue chicken. Traditionally, it is served with chicken. And it's actually, interestingly enough, they don't describe it as a mayo-based sauce. We do because I feel like the first thing you have to explain is why it's white. You have to be like, that's a white sauce because it's got mayonnaise in it. But actually, funny enough, they describe it as a vinegar-based sauce. And if you look at it, it's very... It very tangy. It, like, it, it's also, I'm guessing it was probably pretty thin, right? Uh, by the time it got on the chicken, yeah, I mean, I'd say it was... Like, it wasn't... Uh, it didn't turn the entire chicken white like a red barbecue sauce does because i was watching a video of them like dunking it and like look look at this like it's a very like watery it's a thinner uh, barbecue sauce yeah but man it was quite a treat yeah uh it 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 looks pretty nice um so i Mm -hmm. haven't i haven't had the pleasure but it get i'm 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 not opposed to it by no you you would like it just fine by any stretch of the imagination i think that's probably him that's bob gibson right there look at him look at him who's that on the right uh that's uh that that's a pig ah delicious that's a dead pig i think um i hope so they're grilling it by now (laughs) yeah i was gonna say if that's a person we're we got a bunch of other conversations to have with uh with alabama wouldn't put it past them 
but uh, I'd like to think that they could restrain themselves uh, a little bit. For meeting a person. So, uh, Texas is the first place where I had truly good barbecue. Um, I stayed uh, down in Round Rock, Texas, which is about 30 minutes outside of Austin. I was there for uh, about a month, and I think I ate barbecue every single day. I'm pretty sure. And I went from being like a big fat guy to being like a really big fat guy. Like it just, it, 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 added, it added up pretty quick. I regret nothing. And uh, who was the, the primary culprit in this? So there's a couple of places that are noteworthy in Texas. Well, actually first, so let's, we'll get into specific places here in a second. Let's talk about just like the, what Texas brings to the table. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of already spoiled this. Texas's c- contribution to barbecue is largely beef. Uh, beef is not something that historically shows up that much on the East Coast in barbecue. It it largely originates in Texas, where they have the supply of it. Like, beef is something that, that there's cattle ranchers out there. There's no cattle ranches in North Carolina, or at least not a significant number of them. Uh, and so it's just only Yeehaw. it's just only natural that, that brisket is basically the king in Texas. Now, brisket is, is, uh, is such a big deal there. In a lot of places, they'll uh, just forget about sauce completely. So sauce is a component, but it doesn't have to be in Texas barbecue. There are mm. a lot of places where they wouldn't look at you strange, or, or they would look at you strange if you asked them for sauce. They'd be like, mm, that's, not, that's not how we do things around here, partner. I don't know about that, boy. Yippee-ki-yay. Now, I'll can, get you, Hans Gruber. You can still get all the other things. <laughs> you, you, can, you can get some pork. You can get some turkey. Uh, you can get all the all the staples. You can get sausage. All the traditional meats. Uh, but but brisket is really the 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 king. And if you go to Texas and you don't get brisket, I just don't know what you're doing. Don't talk to us. Yeah, like I you've you've continue doing what you've already been doing and just leave us alone. You've wasted a, a huge opportunity. Uh, and none of the other states I just listed would I suggest getting brisket. Really, like you can. But Texas is where they're going to do you right. And Except I've, in Moab, Utah. <laughs> you're really going to out those guys? <laughs> um, I didn't say nothing. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, uh, so like I said, that's where most of my personal experience stems from is, is Texas. Uh, in fact, if we were going through the list, I think it sounds like you've probably had more of these places than I have. Yes, but I would say probably the best barbecue I've ever had was in Texas. Yeah. And I think at the same place you had it at. Oh, I really I really hate to say it. Well, and here's the thing. People from Texas generally agree with me on this. There's a chain in Texas. It's built onto gas stations uh, like 90% of the time. It's called Rudy's. Their sign says the worst barbecue in Texas, like at, at just about every sign. And I think the interesting thing is almost everybody who I've met who's from Texas backs that up. They're like, oh, you're like, there are way better places to get barbecue. But every Maybe. single, every single one of them will also concede that like, yeah, Rudy's is still pretty good barbecue though. Like it's pretty nice uh, barbecue. I, I just had never had anything like that. My barbecue experience up until that point had been like Famous Dave's. In fact, you and I were talking about how mm. like when Famous Dave's opened, like you were like, oh boy, Famous Dave's. When old Dave came to town and taught us a little bit about barbecue. And now I would really prefer not to go into a Famous Dave's. Right. But I would rather drink a bottle of Rudy's sauce than eat a Famous Dave's dinner. And so that's kind of part of the thing is like, it's one of those things where if you think that you're having good barbecue, then it probably just means that you haven't had like truly good barbecue. And I think that's great. You should stay in that bubble. Right, right. Uh, 
Don't don't leave the safety of that bubble. And that's one of the dangers of traveling, I think, is you can wind up trying something that's super good, and then you'll never be able to get it again. If you think those Applebee's riblets are the tops, <laughs> then uh, just keep going to Applebee's. If you're going to Chili's for their baby back ribs, oh, yeah, and yeah. you're like, man, nobody's going to be able to do it better than this. <laughs> this is as good as it gets. Or Tony Roma's. Remember Tony Roma's? Oh, vaguely. That was a Utah thing. Was it? I, I mean, were, it certainly wasn't a Montana thing. I thought they were nationwide. Uh, no, they probably were, but... Okay, well, my boy Tony, he would he would give you a delicious rib. And with a name like Roma, who wouldn't give you a good rib? Right, right, right. Mamma mia, that's a, <laughs> that's a tasty rib. <laughs> yeah, it's founded in uh, North Miami, Florida. Ah. Yeah, we're all good. The barbecue. home of ribs. The home of ribs. <laughs> where, where ribs truly do come from uh this says this all menus website claims that there is still a tony romas here there can't be i would like to think that there can't at 500 be. south and six east uh, there could be uh no okay so if you look at it on google maps there isn't one yeah, the yeah. closest tony romas is in paradise nevada just, las vegas just a little a little ways off of the las vegas strip you want a road trip down there for ribs from for, Tony Roma's? Yeah, for Tony Roma's ribs, baby. For that North uh, Dade County, Miami barbecue sauce? There's a lot of them in Colorado. Colorado survived. So actually, funny enough, uh, there's no Rudy's here. I don't know why. Uh, they have slowly climbed their way up from Texas, though. Uh, there's a couple in New Mexico, and there are two that I'm aware of in Colorado. And every time, every time that I am in Colorado, I have to rent a car because I will drive to those Rudy's. And it's about an hour outside of Denver, either direction. You can go up to Fort Collins, or you can go down to Colorado Springs. And I've made that trip every time, sometimes more than once, and I regret nothing. I, I've, I, I have no bad things to say about Rudy's. And I've actually steered clear of it in the discussion up until this point, but as much as barbecue is about meat, so too is it about sides. Uh. And oh my good God, uh, Rudy's creamed corn. It's something special. It, it's just it's it's unreal so maybe to preface this endorsement i knew jared for probably a good what seven eight years before i ever tried uh rudy's so i had to listen to the story a lot <laughs> so when i finally got to go there i thought like well i'll just do this to shut him up he's full of shit yeah pretty much and uh he was not wrong at all that was the best barbecue the best cream corn the best slice of uh texas white bread that I've ever had. Yeah, that's the other fun thing is uh, when you go there, they'll they'll serve you bread, and it's literally just like Wonder right. Bread, like out of the out of the bag. It's no frills. It's basically just like here's a slice of bread with your meat. Put your meat on it. Put your sauce on it. Eat it up, and it's it's supreme. Their sausage, their jalapeno sausage specifically, is just, yeah. is, is unreal. It's it's so good. Uh, so if you ever have the opportunity, you should take it. Now, I will say, uh, I did have, I, I don't know if I'd say it's better barbecue, but there are still some pretty amazing barbecue places in, in Austin. One of them that's noteworthy, because I think they have maybe the most beautiful pit that I've ever seen. Have you ever seen this place, the Salt Lick? Oh my God, look at it. <laughs> Just look at it. And you can do this at home. Google oh. the, the Salt Lick. It's right next to, it's in Round Rock, uh, and it's right next to their baseball stadium. Uh, where their minor league team plays, and it's, it's just yeah. unreal. It looks like Lucio's backyard on a Tuesday evening. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Uh, it, it's just it's it's superb. Uh, that's and, a deep and, cut for longtime fans. Yeah, that's that's 
two people are going to know what that's a reference to. Um, the other thing that's kind of cool about the Salt Lake is just their grounds. Like the facility is super nice. Uh, the the whole outside is is really charming. You know, actually, maybe that's a that's a good discussion point. So, obviously, up here in Salt Lake, barbecue is not something that people have a lot of. Um, I don't want to say esteem necessarily, but like you wouldn't go to a fancy barbecue restaurant in Salt Lake, right? There isn't one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You go to Goodwood. <laughs> Like oh boy, that's about as fancy as it gets because they uh, they emptied out the Holiday Inn that used to be in there. But yeah, so but down south, this seems like the type of thing where you can go to a fancy like steakhouse level uh, qual or steakhouse level. Uh, what would be the word? I mean, people get married at the Salt Lake. Yeah, exactly. I'm not even joking. Like, like it's fancy down there. Like pe- people, the the uh, like I said, the grounds for this place are are just really really like I said, really charming. Which is very interesting, again, going back to the very humble roots of barbecue being, like, a food you cook outdoors when you can't get any better meats. In fact, I wonder... uh, Well, it doesn't matter if we look at a a picture of it. No one can see the picture. I mean, nothing matters. I kind of just want to look at it and think about being there. Um, Now, there's also a place in Austin uh, called Franklin's Barbecue, and uh, it's it's the home of Aaron Franklin, who I've talked about uh, with you before, who's... he's, He's kind of, like pretty much renowned as being like one of the the best like barbecue guys working today he's written books he's on food network all the time um if you google like brisket on youtube you'll find it he did a master class uh i don't know if you've ever seen those where they have like really famous people come in and show you how to do stuff but Mm -hmm. he did one of those i've never actually been to franklin's barbecue uh it is it's gotten to a point where like it always has a line it always has a line, and so I just we we never we never really thought it was worth it. Having said that, if I make a trip back to Austin, I think I'd probably still go out of my way to try it, just because it's it's so hyped up. Um, and and by all accounts, he seems to be pretty on top of things, so could be worth it. But uh, yeah, I mean, for my money and and for my time, like Rudy's is is just a home run. And if you look at the one in Colorado Springs, it's so out of the way. Like you got you got to really intend to go to it. And like, I, how did it end up here? I thought for sure I was like, well, this place isn't going to last. Like this is going to go out of business. And every time I go there, it is slammed. Like it is so busy. And I'm going on like weekdays at irregular hours. It's like 3 p.m. and I can't get a parking space. Like that place does good business. So I'm not the only one who knows about this. Like there are other people who are aware of it. It's pretty out, pretty but outrageous. Let's talk about our predicament, being where we are. Again, it's not. Utah's fault. Barbecue I mean, kind of is, but barbecue's just not. It's not a tradition here. I mean, especially when you consider the attachments. Too spicy. When you consider the attachments to like African American culture. Oh, too foreign. What? What? Did, yeah, exactly. Like, what hope did we have to to get amazing barbecue here? Right. Uh, James just didn't get around to it yet. Um, but uh, having said that, there are still there are some good options uh, for you, and I think you and I agree on what the best one is. That'd be R and R. It's R and R. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it's actually become a chain, kind of a renowned chain around at least the Utah area. But they've grown. Is there th- four locations now? Three oh, locations let's see. now. They got the downtown, the South Jordan, the Lehigh. I know there's multiple R and Rs. Uh, so yeah, there's there's there's. Oh yeah, there is the one in Lehigh, huh? Yep. I haven't found anybody who's who's even come close uh, to to beating them. Really, I, th- I was hoping we could come up with like a great list where we'd be like, well, "These guys, these guys." I will concede. It's just them. 
I will concede a lot of people speak highly of Pats. I've never been to Pats. That's true. I've never been to Pats either. So I'm willing so to go. we'll throw that one on the list uh, yep. because we, we neither of us have, have done it. So I can give Pat the benefit of the doubt. I will say this. I was walking by Pats the other day because uh, I was going to a show uh, at a, a concert venue over there. And I, when I was walking by their window, they had their stove on. Um, which is like a flame, like a huge flame, just like shooting up, and it's like midnight. And I think that I think they just leave that on all the time. I, I don't know a lot about working in a kitchen, but I couldn't help but think, like, man, I hope Pat's is here when I do want to come back and get some barbecue. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard Pat's is kind of run by the sea of their pants, so I guess so. Uh, but yeah, if you if you search for Utah best barbecue, most of these are not the best barbecue. I won't name names because that's not the type of place that we are. Right? But, uh, yeah, we don't. You this, don't want to be mean. If you look up Utah Best Barbecue, disregard most of these responses. I haven't tried a good chunk of these, but like, there's Famous Dave's. Famous Dave's shows up like like ten down. So. Four out of five stars. Yeah. Seven hundred fifty three reviews. So, I guess you know, take this all with a grain of salt when you listen to us as the uh, the self proclaimed barbecue experts. What do we got to compare against? No, that's true. That's true. And and again, there's some newer ones that I haven't tried yet. So like this 565 that opened up, I still haven't been there. Hmm. Um, I haven't been to Pat's. Uh, and, and by all accounts, those seem to be like the contenders for the next best places. Up north, there's a place uh, called Smoking Bones, and I haven't I haven't been up there either yet. Not familiar with that one. Yeah, that's uh, that's like in like the Layton area, I think. Huh. Uh, so it's it's a little ways up there, but well, the takeaway is well, we don't have uh, bad barbecue. We also don't have great barbecue either. Yeah, there uh, was a place in Huntsville that was okay. I don't even know if they're around anymore. Um, but I do remember going there and thinking, like, ah, oh, that's all right. What was it called? Shooting Star? No, that's the saloon. I don't even remember what the Huntsville place was called. Uh, it's right next to the Shooting Star, and it doesn't look like it's open anymore. So I guess I can't suggest that to you. <laughs> I mean, you can, but they'll be very surprised when they get there and nothing's there. Yeah, it's not going to work out. Yeah, it looks like they went out of business, so that's too bad. Couldn't couldn't hack it. I've noticed that too. It seems to be hard because uh, we've we've had like like there was that Sunny Bryan's that opened up. Mm. Um, Dickies has survived somehow, but uh, I guess they just only kill a certain number of customers every year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but look, look that one up. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good local. That's a good local gag. Now Dickies is a. Aren't they national? They are. Okay. I've, I've had them in like an airport more than once. But they've only killed someone around here. Yeah, they only murder people here. Um, but uh, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't awful. I didn't hate it. I mean, it wasn't not awful either. That's that's the thing is like at the end of the day, like most of the time, even bad barbecue is still probably probably passable. Eh. But having said that, you are dealing again with like very potentially dangerous cuts of meat. Like you could be dealing with some pretty rough stuff. And so if you do treat it badly. Or you maybe maybe I don't know try to reheat it a couple days later, uh, people will notice. People people can tell with that, and that's why right. again, if you go Someone to will notice that something is broken. If you go to a barbecue place, something and, will notice that something is broken or not correct with your barbecue. You're so shitty. <laughs> if you if you go to a barbecue place and you walk in and you order something and they're like, we're out of that. That's a good sign. Right. You should treat that as a good sign because that means that they're not doing shit that they shouldn't be doing, uh, like like freezing things or again like reheating them later on. Barbecue is something that happens the day of, 
and uh, that's just it. And I'm sure they have a lot of food left over, and I'm sure the people I, who work there probably never want to eat barbecue again. I was going to say, actually, it'd be if we had someone on this podcast who maybe we could uh, ask a question of, they were a barbecue restaurateur, like... It seems like the amount of time and uh, like the fact that you can't just spin up a rack of ribs, you've probably got a lot of uh, a lot of product on the line at any given time. Like it seems like you have a large potential to lose a lot of money. I would be very fascinated to learn more about capacity planning in yeah. in a barbecue restaurant. Like how do you? Because I mean, it has to be something where you can relatively predict. Like you know, we're going to be busy today. We're not going to be as busy tomorrow. So like plan it out this way, that way. But it's just, it's still, uh, it's a it's a concept that I think is really interesting to me. So yeah, I'd, I'd want to ask someone about that and yeah. learn, learn a little bit more about that at some point. So hey, if you know anybody who's in the barbecue game, who we didn't just talk a bunch <laughs> of shit about, uh, I can think of a few people who probably don't want to come talk to me. Uh, but if you know someone, uh, let us know and we will pick their brains. We want to ask them about, uh, ask them about barbecue. Ask them why they served me that fucking brisket, that unreal well, if you know those guys, yeah, we'd like to talk to them too. Yeah, I got not some, on the podcast. I got some things to say to them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you enjoyed our podcast today, uh, go subscribe uh, to us on iTunes, on Google Play Music, on Spotify, uh, and uh, you can. Are always, we on any of those? I think I, I think we will be. Oh, okay. hopefully, I don't know. Hey, great. We'll, we'll see how things go. Uh, but yeah, go subscribe to that, and uh, maybe give us a give us give us a rating. Yeah, do that. Rate it good. You definitely should do that. Rate it so high. Give most stars. However many stars it'll let you give us. I don't know what the limit is, but 10 stars. Yeah, give us 10 stars and uh, just make up the difference. Give us 10 stars. And if there's any left over, you know what? Keep a star for yourself. Well, if there, if there's only five stars, then take those additional five stars for the next review. Yeah, okay. But then after that, the rest are yours. So. Yeah, okay. That sounds fair. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for us. Uh, we will be back uh, next time, whenever next time is, and talking about uh, something. time after this. Whatever something is. So um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, just push the, push the old stop button. Right now.